Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you took the time to listen to this message. You're listening to the fourth in our series next. Enjoy. Thank you guys so much for joining us today for Church Online. My name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here, and we're just honored that you took the time to be with us this morning. Hey, if this is your first time here, uh, we want to let you know we are in the midst of a series here at church that we're calling Next. Now, the beauty of this series, we've just found that has been so God-sent. We've just found that in this time as, as a church and as really as a people, when there's been so much uncertainty, it's just been so refreshing for us to see that, hey, God has a plan. God has a purpose for us. All that to say, this is the fourth part of our series. And so if you have missed any parts of our series, if you're watching on YouTube right now, don't leave just yet. But if you haven't seen parts one, two, or three. We want to encourage you to catch up online and just kind of see what we've been talking about. All that to say, we're continuing our series uh, called Next with part four this morning. And as we begin, I want to read a passage of scripture found in the book of Philippians. And now I don't usually do this, but I'm telling you that we are reading this translation. The translation that we're reading, I should say, is the New King James Version. It's a little bit of an older translation, but the reason that I want us to read this translation is because I don't want to just preach this message, but I want us to absorb it. And my hope is that you can take this verse and man, I think this translation um, is memorable. And so maybe you can memorize this, put it into your spirit, into your heart. So Philippians 4, uh, we'll, we'll get more into it as the morning goes along. But just to start, give us some context, of the, or I should say the backdrop for what we're doing this morning. Philippians 4 says this, verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me. Do these things and the God of peace will be with you. I want to give our message a title this morning that comes straight from our verse, Philippians 4 verse 6. Uh, our title this morning is Anxious for Nothing. Anxious for Nothing. I was trying to think this week about a time in my life that I was probably the most anxious or the most nervous. And uh, what I came to realize is that the time in my life that I was probably the most anxious was my wedding day. And now a lot of you guys might be thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, you got cold feet. Um, it was quite the opposite of that. Uh, I was super excited to get married. I was super excited to get, my, get to know my wife in a new way. Come on, somebody. Yes, we are that type of church. Don't log off just yet. Uh, so I wasn't any of those things. I was super excited to get married. I couldn't wait to get married. The one thing that was causing me stress on our wedding day was that our wedding venue where we were getting married was outside. We got married in Alberta. Now, for every one of us who's from Alberta, if you're not from Alberta, I'll let you guys know what summer is like here. Uh, everything can change in the blink of an eye. That's just summer in Alberta. It, it will literally be like sunny in 25 one moment, torrential downpour 30 minutes later. And so the question that we got over and over again in the build-up to our wedding, people would ask us, like, hey, do you guys have a backup plan? And whenever anyone would ask us that, I would give them the same answer. I would say, the Lord will provide. 
Now, when I said that, it wasn't as if I had great faith. Uh, it was literally just like, man, I was too lazy to come up with a backup plan. Because the way I thought about it was that we're already planning one wedding. I'm not going to plan a second hypothetical wedding. Like, come on, somebody, anyone with me. And so anyone, whenever anyone would ask, we would just say, hey, the Lord will provide. Um, as we got closer to the wedding, uh, my wife, my future wife at the time, Christy, would start saying, like, hey, like, do we have a backup plan? And I would say, don't worry about it. The Lord will provide. Now, flash forward to our wedding. We got married in August 2016, we had booked the wedding September 2015. So 11 months, I had been preaching faith. <laughs> August 16th comes, and it started off like a great day. Sun was shining. Um, it was amazing. And uh, all of a sudden, sort of as morning kind of ended and we got into the afternoon, all of a sudden the clouds started rolling in. How many guys know faith is easy when the sun is shining? It's a little bit harder when the clouds come in. And so as soon as those clouds started to come in, as soon as I started to check out my weather app, I got a little bit nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen? And so as the build up to the wedding, the day keeps going. My friend, one of my good friends is a man of God. He decided to surprise me with a limo so all of the groomsmen could go to the wedding venue in this limo. And it was balled out. It was amazing. Uh, we got married in Tofield. Um, the only reason you go to Tofield is to get married. Come on, somebody. Uh, if anyone from Tofield's watching, we love you. Uh, but uh, we got married in Tofield. So we had a 15-minute drive in a limo with my best friends in the entire world. This should have literally been the most amazing time, the most amazing experience in my life. But I'll never forget that limo ride because literally the entire time I'm looking out the window. Because the more we're driving, the more I see the clouds closing in, the more I just, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it's gonna rain. And so I'm looking at my phone every 30 seconds, refreshing the weather app. I'm like, oh my gosh, 60% chance of rain at three o'clock. Like the wedding's gonna get ruined. I'm such an idiot. Faith, you stupid, you should have had a backup plan. Super stressed out. We get to the wedding venue and uh, it was funny. We got there probably about 45 minutes early and uh, time just kept moving. And as time was moving, these clouds were all around us, yet the place where we were getting married, there was no rain. The sun continued to shine. And so finally, we're about to get married. And again, there's clouds everywhere. But we get married. We say our I do's. The sun was shining the entire time. Not a touch of rain hit our wedding. Come on, somebody. And I want in case you guys think, oh, there's pastor exaggerating again. I got a picture for you guys. I want you to see it. I hope it comes up clear online. Can you guys see this? Church online, can you guys see this? This is all that was surrounding us. We were surrounded, but yet we had this ray of sun from the Lord that kept our wedding dry and fresh and sunny. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Come on, somebody online. Let's go. Now, the reason I tell you guys this story is because as I look back in hindsight, I'm now three years removed, and I just think about how stressed out, how anxious I was on that day. The reality of what I can say now as I look back is, oh my gosh, I was anxious for nothing. Like there, there was no reason for me to be anxious. You see, I want us to keep that story in mind. We're going to come back to it in a second. But what I want to do this morning as we start, as we get into this word, I want to speak about anxiety. And the reason I want to speak about anxiety is because I think this is something that many of us are dealing with right now. 
And so I want to encourage you right now, as we get started, as we get into the word, I just believe that God has something for you. This is a word for you. And so I want to encourage you, if you have tabs open right now, close those tabs. If you got kids running around, send them upstairs, tell them we have great kids material on our website. But we really want you to lean in, kind of cut off distractions because we think that this is a word from the Lord this morning. I want to speak about anxiety because I think for many of us, in good times, a lot of us struggle with anxiety. But when the world gets flipped upside down and everything that we once knew is now different, I think most of us at some level have some sort of anxiety. One of my favorite definitions of anxiety is so simple. It's just that feeling of unease or worry. Kind of my own personal definition when I feel anxiety, and, and you guys can let me know if that's what it's like for you, but it's sort of like that invisible weight. Right? It's like there's something on your chest and it feels heavy. And depending on how stressed out we are, that's just how heavy that, that, that pressure gets on us. And so like I said, I think right now, I think in this morning, this moment, many of us are facing anxiety. Many of us have things in our lives that are causing us stress. But what I want to do this morning in the name of Jesus, I want us, I want each and every single one of us listening to have victory over anxiety because I believe that it can happen and it will happen. And by the end of this, I hope many of us are, can see that oftentimes in our lives, we're actually anxious for nothing. So what I want to do this morning is I want to get back into the Bible. I want to get back into Philippians chapter 4. Before we get into it, I'll kind of give you guys a little context of the words that we wrote. For, for people, if you, if you know, if you don't know, uh, Philippians is a book in the Bible found in the New Testament. The Bible is broken into two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament is kind of after the time of Jesus. And so Philippians was written by a man named Paul. And in the book of Philippians gives us one of the great paradoxes that we see in Scripture. Paul, the man who wrote this, is in prison. And he's in prison as he writes this letter. And yet as he is in prison, as he is under arrest, Paul is writing to encourage a church. You guys catch that? He's in prison, yet he's writing to encourage people that are free, yet they're going through hard times. And so that's the context that I want to start this morning. Paul is in prison. And, and this is so big because I think it's easy to encourage people when things are going well. It's a whole lot harder to encourage people when we ourselves are going through something. But this is the context that Paul writes this letter. And so I want us to keep that in mind as we go through this this morning. So in Philippians chapter 4, Paul starts off and he says this in verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Again, keep this in mind. Paul is under arrest. Now, now here's the thing. Even more accurately, most scholars believe that Paul was under house arrest. So, so you could actually say Paul was quarantined. Come on, somebody. How many of you guys have been two weeks, but you're going crazy already? Paul literally was under house arrest. He was quarantined for two years. And in the midst of this house arrest, he says these words. He says, rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. The question I want to ask is, what's the secret? Because there's many of us right now wondering, we're going through circumstances. We're going through situations. Many of us, man, we've lost our jobs. Like, like how can we say rejoice in the Lord? Oh, how can I say it? You see, the key and the secret to what Paul is saying is found very simply in the very first part. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. In other words, what Paul is saying, he's saying that the things that we rejoice in, my joy is tied to Jesus. My joy is tied to a person, not to a circumstance. 
You see, for so many of us, the reason that we can't find joy in our everyday lives, the reason we can't find joy when things are turned upside down is because we have tied our joy to our situation. But what Paul is trying to get us to see is that our joy is separate from our situation. Our joy is separate from our circumstance. You see, so many of us, we've tied up our joy in things that we can see. We've tied up our joy in finances. We've tied up our joy in our jobs. We've tied up our joy in relationships. And the problem when we do that, what happens is that our joy is tied to something that is outside of our control. If I were to break it down even simpler, what I would say for so many of us is what we do is that our contentment is tied to our content, what we have. I'm I'm content if I have everything. I'm content, for a lot of us, get this, I'm content if I have control. If I have control, then I'll be content. If I have everything that I need, then I will be filled with joy, filled with peace. But what Paul is saying, he's saying rejoice in the Lord. In other words, my joy is not tied to my circumstance. My joy is separate from my situation. It's funny because for so many of us, we've tied our joy to things, to jobs, to finances, to to things under our control. I think in Canada, in North America, where I'm sure most of us are watching this, we are a place, we are a nation like never before we we crave control. That's, that's what makes us feel good, right? Like when I know what's next, when I have my schedule planned out, when I got my planner all filled, we, we love that, we crave control. But what I wanna suggest this morning is that the call of our lives was never for us to be in control. The call in our lives was for Jesus to be in control. And so what happens for so many of us is that when things in our lives are out of our control, the reason we have anxiety is because the way we've always done things, the way we've always wanted things to be is now flipped upside down. If you're with us last week, what I said, I said, sometimes God will use situations to reorientate us to what really matters. Can I suggest something this week? I believe the way that we were designed, the way that we are supposed to live is for God to have control. I wonder if we had to lose control in order for God to begin to have control. Now listen for a second. This is not just my opinion. I believe this is biblical. The way in which we were meant to live, the way in which we were created was for God to have control. Let me show you something. James chapter, thir- James, James chapter four, verse 13, it says this. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We'll do business there and make profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is that if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Who'd that one hit? I think if we're honest, that probably hit most of us because the reality, like I said, especially in our context is we are people that love control. Now understand this, I'm not saying we don't make plans. I'm not saying we don't have a vision. That's, that's the opposite of what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that I think right now in this season of uncertainty, what if God was trying to reorientate us so he could begin to have control in our lives? Because the question is this, I wanna ask us, for all of us that make plans, all of us that are looking so far into the future, the question I wanna ask this morning is how many of us are asking God to come with us? How many of us are asking God, saying, God, what's next? what do you want me to do? You know, one thing 
that we try to do at the church, my, myself personally, um, I try to plan my sermon series and, and everything that we do as far in advance as possible. And one of the reasons that I started to do that was to give like our media team some heads up on what I'm doing, um, all that good stuff, try to plan big events. But one thing I always tell them, I say, this is the schedule, but this is the tentative schedule because it can change at a moment's notice. And the reason I say that is because I need to leave room for God to be God. I make my plans, I have my vision, but at the end of the day, if something happens, I give it to God. I'll tell you one thing, this series is supposed to be over this week as as far as this schedule is concerned, but we don't know what's gonna happen. We had plans for Easter, but things are being flipped upside down. But the reason I'm not tripping, the reason I still have peace about it is because God is in control, not me. I make plans, I have a vision, but at the end of the day, God is the one that directs my steps. So what I want to say to people, for all of us, we're planners. Guess what? What if we started making our plans in pencil instead of pen? You know what I mean by that? You see, so many of us, we've written our plans, our five-year goals, our 10-year goals, whatever it may be, and it's in pen. And so it's like, man, this cannot change. This is what it has to be. And that's fine. But what happens when life gets flipped upside down? I'll tell you what happens. It's when anxiety comes because we're no longer in control. But what if this morning God was saying to us, man, I'm gonna, I'm, I want control back in your lives. Because the reality is this, you and I, we were never meant to be in control. We were never meant to be in the driver's seat. And so what happens for so many of us is we, try, we tie our joy to our situation. We tie our joy to our circumstance. But when our circumstance changes, anxiety, worry, and fear creep in. But what if this morning we could begin to rejoice in the Lord and say, guess what? My joy is tied in a person. His name is Jesus. And because my joy is tied in a person, not in a thing, you can take my job, you can take my freedom, you can take my money, you can take my security, but you can't take my peace because my peace is in a person and his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody, if you're awake in the comments, say amen. And so Paul continues. Philippians 4, again, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. I love this part so much because what he's saying, he's saying in moments like this, in times in your life, when you're rejoicing, when it doesn't make sense for you to rejoice, people are going to look at you and it says, man, they're going to look at you and they're going to say, God is at hand. They're going to look at you and say, where did that peace come from? Like, how are you able to praise when you just lost your job? How are you able to be so full of peace when you have five kids running around at your home? Like, how? He says, when we rejoice in the Lord always, people will take notice. So so listen to this, because we're in a time right now where people are so afraid to catch something. Like, I don't want to catch nothing. Guess what? I want us to start spreading something, and it's this. It's joy. This isn't a point. This is a note. I want you to write this down. Joy is contagious. Joy is contagious. Listen, in this time right now, people are looking for for anyone with hope, for for, for anyone that has a beacon of light. And if we as believers can begin to put our hope in a person, not in a circumstance, if we can put our hope in Jesus, I promise you, we will begin to live with joy. We will begin to live with peace. And then people will catch exactly what we have. And that is joy because joy is contagious. Can I tell you something? Joy is found in Jesus. Period. It's not found on another news article. It's not, it's not found in anything except Jesus. Joy is contagious. 
How do we have that joy? We begin to put our trust in Jesus, not in ourselves, in a person, not in a situation. Because when our joy is in Jesus, nothing else matters. Now, I could end the sermon right there. I could say amen. But the reality is you're like, okay, Harrison, that sounds great. Put my trust in Jesus. Put my joy in Jesus. But it's a whole lot easier said than done. Don't be anxious. It's a whole lot easier said than done. So that's the what. I'm telling you the what we need to do. We need to put our hope. We need to put our, our peace, our security in Jesus. As we kind of wrap this message or to move towards a conclusion, I want to now give us the how. If that was the what, I want to give us the how. And the beauty is it's not even me giving you guys the how. It's Paul. So let's go back to Philippians chapter four. He says this. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now listen, a lot of us, we know verse seven, the peace that passes all understanding, right? Like it sounds good, like your parents might have told you that, like, hey, Follow Jesus and you'll have peace that passes all understanding. Everyone ever, anyone ever been in life and you love Jesus, but you don't have peace? Like you still have anxiety, you still have worry. You see, I think what happens so many times is we get caught up in the peace of God that we forget about verse six. Because what verse six is, verse six is the process to peace. Now I want us to understand this because here's our point. There is no peace without process. There's no peace without process. Now, for some people, you're saying, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual, Pastor. What do you mean process? I'm, I'm going to show you how spiritual it, is, spiritual it is in just a second. But I think the reason that so many of us don't have that peace that God offers us is because we never put the processes in place in order to attain the peace that Jesus has for us. And so what I want to do is I want to go a little bit through the process of how we can find peace. Can we actually put that verse up for just a second again? I want to go back to it. The process starts with this. This is a command. He says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Now, a lot of us are saying, pastor, that's a whole lot easier said than done. What about coronavirus? Be anxious for nothing. Well, what about my job? Be anxious for, for nothing. I just got, be anxious for nothing. Listen, this is, this, this is the pathway to peace. The very first thing we have to do is it's a command. He says, be anxious for nothing. Can I tell you something right now? One of the reasons that many of us will never experience peace is because we believe a lie. Do you want to know what the lie is? I have to be anxious. I have to worry. There is no victory. Well, you don't know what my mind is like. You don't know what my brain is like. I have to be anxious. But listen, Paul wouldn't command it. It wouldn't be in the Bible if it was unattainable. He says, be anxious for nothing. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six. He says, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? In other words, because some people are hitting back right now. I can see you guys online. You're like, you don't know the anxiety I deal with, pastor. But Jesus says this. He says, hey, okay, 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 okay. You, you want your anxiety, that's fine. He's like, but the reality is this, what has it ever done for you? Has, has, it, has it helped you in any way? Again, the reason that so many of us have anxiety, the reason that so many of us are anxious, 
is because the very first thing is we believe the lie that says, I will always be this way. I have to be this way. I have to worry. I have to live in fear. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Now, the beauty to that, he doesn't leave us at that. He gives us three things after that. And again, it's the process to peace. And so what he says, if you can see the verse one more time, he says, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And so Paul says, be anxious, but then he gives us three things, three ways that we can actually not be anxious. The very first thing he says, and this is very practical, very simple. Number one, he says, prayer. He says, pray. He says, whenever you have that feeling, whenever you have that feeling of worry, whenever you have that feeling of fear, whenever you begin to have that weight that feels so heavy, that feels like there is nothing you can do, he says, stop and pray. Can we be honest for a second? I think all of us, we have a process when anxiety comes. We all have a process. The question is, is it the right process? Because I think for a lot of us, it's like, man, when I feel anxiety, I just turn on Netflix. So I can just clear my mind, so I can just look at Chandler and Joey and everything will be okay. For some of us, like, man, I'm just going to curl up with a big glass of wine, take the buzz off, and I'll be okay. Can I tell you something? That's a distraction. That's not a solution. That that takes your mind off it for just a moment. But what God wants to give us is peace, a peace that surpasses understanding. And what that means, it's a peace that does not make sense. So listen, because what I'm saying, I do not want any of us to, to anyone to think that I'm minimizing our situations, minimizing what I'm going through. The only reason that he calls it a peace that surpasses understanding is because what he is saying, he's saying, you literally should not feel this way. It doesn't make sense. But in order for us to get there, we have to follow the process. The very first thing he says is pray. The moment you feel fear, pray. The moment you feel worry, pray. The moment you feel anxious, pray. The moment you feel scared, pray. The moment you feel like you're not enough, pray. Pray. The second thing he says is supplication. Now, for those of us who have been in church for a long time, maybe you've heard of this word. For those of us who've never heard of this word, um, it's very similar to prayer. Supplication is almost the same thing, but there's one difference. To pray is very broad in the sense of, You just talk to God. It's opening that line of communication. What supplication is, supplication is to literally ask God for something specific. It's to be specific. It's it's literally whatever you're thinking, whatever you want, ask God for it specifically. I I think for a lot of us, and, and I find myself in this boat sometimes, you guys can let me know if you're like this, we pray broad prayers. Like, God, help me to, you know, do this and, and do that, and we kind of beat around the bush. One thing my wife says sometimes, she says, Harrison, just get, what are you trying to say? Just tell me what you're trying to say. Be specific. Do you want to know why one of the reasons I believe that we don't pray specific prayers? is because we're afraid that we won't get the answers that we want. And so therefore, we just don't pray it. But what supplication is, supplication, he's saying, ask God exactly what you want. If you want victory over that fear, ask God for it. If you don't want to worry about finances, ask God for it. Listen to this. Let's let's develop this mindset. I have not because I pray not. I don't have it because I never asked for it. But the Bible tells us that God is waiting. God wants to pour blessings and mercy. God wants us to have peace. But we have to ask for it. Supplication means get specific. And the very third thing he says, he says thanksgiving. I like the word praise better. It sort of means the same thing. He gives us three things. He says pray, 
supplication, and praise. And one of the things and what praise does and why praise is so powerful, praise is literally just thanking God. It's thanking God for what you have. It's saying, God, I know that my life doesn't look the way I thought it would look right now, but I'm going to thank you anyways. It's for those people that are working at home. It's saying, oh my gosh, thank you, God, I still have a job. It's for those people that have been laid off and say, thank you, God, I still have friends. I still have family. I still have a place I can lay my head because the reality is all of us have something. And so what praise does, praise begins to reorientate our minds to help us see what actually matters, what is actually important. And what happens when we praise, all of a sudden our worries don't seem as big as they once did because we begin to fill ourselves with all that God has given us. Now, now listen, it's not just, you don't even have to get specific. One of my favorite things to do is I just love to worship. I just love worship music. And get this, I love Coldplay. They're my favorite band in the entire world. The best band in the entire world. Chris, if you're watching. Um, But for as much as I love Coldplay and I love other music as well, nothing helps reorientate my mind like worship music. Because when I listen to it, and and by listen, my gosh, I put that music loud. Like sometimes I get in my car after I've been listening and I get back into it and like it blows my eardrums. And I'm like, how did I even listen to that beforehand? But I like it loud and I like to praise. Because when I praise, it puts my life in perspective. And I can say, guess what? God is on the throne, not me. Jesus is on the throne. I'm going to give him praise because he's worthy. And when, when I'm praising his name, suddenly everything that I was worried about, suddenly everything that I was feeling, it begins to dissipate in the presence of Jesus. Because my contentment is not in my situation, it's in Jesus. My joy is in Jesus. And so who he is does not change based on what I'm feeling, based on what I'm going through. Praise puts things in perspective. And the reason I say make it loud is my own personal preference. But just for you guys to know, when this whole thing ends, if you've never been to Kingdom Church, you're going to come to Kingdom Church and you're going to see that we like to get loud, we like to praise loud. And man, I was just believing this week, when we get back to church, it's going to be a party. It's going to be loud. If you don't like it loud, plant your own church because we like it loud at Kingdom Church. But praise puts things in perspective. And so when we have those three things, prayer, supplication, and praise, we can begin to live a life without worry. Now, listen, I'm not going to say we'll never be worried. I'm not going to say we're never going to have those moments. But again, this is the process. This is the pathway to peace. So when you do feel those things, when you have those moments in your life, when things get so heavy, you don't know what to do, what if we had a new pathway in place? Started with prayer. When I feel something, I open that line of communication. I I ask God exactly what I want, exactly what I need, and then I thank him for all that he's done. Now, for some of us, maybe you're saying to yourself, okay, I've I've done those things before. I've done all of that. But, like, it it only lasts temporarily. Anyone ever feel that? Like, you're putting the processes in place, you have peace for a while, but it doesn't last very long? Thankfully, Paul gives us one more thing of advice, and I'm going to preach this because I think it's going to talk to so many people. In Philippians 4, he says this. He says, finally, he says, be anxious for nothing. Here's the pathways, not done just yet. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 
It's funny, for so many of us, we have no filters in our lives. The essence of what Paul is saying, Paul is saying, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, he says, make sure that you are focusing on what is true, what is noble, what is pure. Can I tell you something? One of the reasons that many of us never make it to peace is because we'll, go, we'll put the proper things in place, we'll go on the proper pathways, but then after that's all done, we have no filters in our lives for what we allow into ourselves. So here's the point I'm trying to make. In our lives, if we want to experience peace that surpasses all understanding, we need to learn how to filter the feed. We need to learn how to filter the feed. Can I speak on this for a second? This is gonna hurt some people's feelings, but you'll thank me later. One, one thing, if we've seen anything in these last little while, is that for so many of us, when things go wrong, we flock to certain places. We flock to social media, we flock to Facebook, we flock to Twitter, we flock to Daily Mail, we flock to the CTV News, whatever it may be. But the reality is this, can, can I just speak this to be true? You can, you can do all the right things. You can pray, you can praise, you can ask God for peace and you'll have it for a moment. But if you have no process in place, if you have no filters after that, you can lose your peace as soon as you found it. How many guys know this is true? You pray, you watch this, and then you go on Facebook and you feel stressed out after because you just read 14 and a half COVID-19 articles. Listen, most of us are watching this either on Facebook or YouTube, and this message can bless you. But if you click off this message and the very first thing you do is scroll through 35 articles, can I tell you something? That peace that you're feeling will slowly begin to dissipate. I just wonder, like, what if instead of, of, of doing all of those things, what if we began to filter our feeds? What if we began to say, man, I'm not going to allow certain things in my life at certain times of the day? This is super practical, but maybe for, for, for most of us, the very first thing we've been doing every morning is checking our phones. The last thing we do before we go to bed is check our phones. What if we said for the next little while, I'm going to put my phone far from my bed so I can't look at it first thing in the morning? because I need to begin to filter my feed. I need to begin to protect what I'm putting into myself because if I'm putting in all of these things that give me fear and anxiety, I shouldn't be surprised when my life is filled with fear and anxiety. Now listen, this, this idea of filtering the feed, it doesn't just go with this whole uh, pandemic that we're going through, it's many things. If you struggle with lust and you're asking yourself, how come I kind of victory over this? Why, why do I struggle for so long? Can, can I suggest maybe you have no filter in your life? Can I suggest maybe you're following the wrong people on Instagram? Maybe you're following people for the wrong reasons? You know what I'm saying. I don't have to go any farther. You need to learn to filter the feed. For, for some of us, it's literally negativity. You have people in your life that are just negative, 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 and you've let them speak into your life. And so what happens is you become negative. Maybe it's gossip. We surround ourselves with people that just talk and they talk and they talk. But what Paul is saying, Paul is saying we need to begin to filter the feed. We need to be very conscientious about what we allow into ourselves. I, I love what he says. Look at the very start. He says, finally, brethren, this one's really big. He says, focus on whatever things are true. Whatever things are true. And now this is where I told, uh, I, I, I might hurt some people's feelings, um, but it needs to be said, uh, especially since this platform is on Facebook. Um, can I just encourage you? If you're going to share something, make sure that it's real. 
Because the reality, I see so many people sharing things, especially in this time, in this season, and there's things and there are facts that are not true. What I'm saying is that we need to filter the feed. Focus on what is true. The reality is this. Can I just be honest? We don't need to share more news articles. What we need to share is more faith. What we need to share is more hope. What we need to share is more peace. Things that are true. Things that are pure. I want us to look back because we're talking about filtering the feed. Every single one of us has a feed in our lives. Let's just look back on this last week and ask ourselves, what have I been producing? What have I been putting out? Have I been putting out things that are going to fill people with hope, that are going to fill people with love, that are going to fill people with joy? Let's begin to filter the feed. Because we can put all the processes in place. We can do all the right things. We can pray. We can praise. But if we have no filters in our lives, if we're letting everything come from every direction, you will not have peace. So Paul says, filter the feed. I just wonder this week, how many of us can begin to fill our feeds with positivity? How many of us can fill our feeds with joy, with love that that can be contagious? And so what Paul says is this in Philippians 4, verse 9. He says, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me do. And then the God of peace will be with you. He says, you've heard it all. Now let's do it. You know the what, you know the how. He says, let's do it. Because then the God of peace will be with you. Listen to this church. This is a promise. If we put the proper processes in place, the God of peace will be with us. I told you guys to dwell, uh, to, to, to not lose that story I told at the very start about our wedding. Um, and I kind of want to finish the story because there's more to the story. But how the story goes, uh, one thing that happens in my life, um, and it's kind of gross, but we're online, so we can be open and honest and no one can judge me. Um, but when I get stressed out, uh, like super stressed out, I get cold sores. And uh, so one thing that happened that day, I was so, so stressed out um, that by the end of the day, um, I got a cold sore. And so we were getting married and we had a honeymoon right after our wedding. And so if you guys know what that is, it's on your face, on your mouth, and your honeymoon is a time when you want to make out, come on, somebody. And so it's funny because I know how the whole story ends and I know the big picture. And I look back now and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was anxious for nothing. And I look back in regret because what I say now, three years later, I say, oh man, I ruined a time in my life. I literally ruined days of our honeymoon because I was so worried about absolutely nothing. Now listen to this church. I believe this to be true. This season that we are going through, everything that we are experiencing now, this is not the end. There's more outside of this. There's there's more. And the reason I know how this story ends is because our story is centered around Jesus. And guess what? Jesus is victorious. Jesus is victorious over unemployment. Jesus is victorious over fear, over, over anything that we're feeling right now. We know how the story ends. The Bible says the weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. So you may be going through something right now. You may be feeling something right now. But the reality is, as believers, at the end of the day, Jesus is our hope. Our hope is in him, and he is victorious. He wins at the end of all of this. And so what I want to say, the reason I told that story 
It's because as we look back, because we're gonna look back at this one day, hashtag COVID 2020. I want us to not look back in regret. I want us to look back one day and say, man, I was able to have peace throughout it. What if we could look back one day and say, I actually was able to lead people to the Lord through this. I had joy through this. I had peace through this. I don't even know how I had it because it didn't make sense. But Jesus gave it to me because he wants to give peace to each and every one of us. What if we could look back at the end of all of this and say, man, we made a difference. We did something that changed lives in a time when everything around us looked like it was going for bad, but God turned it for good. What if that was our story at the end of this? Hey, right now, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, we just want to give you the opportunity to respond. This message right now, we hope, spoke to you. And we know there are many people out there, and maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. If you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, we want to encourage you right now in your bedroom, in your living room, in your kitchen. All you have to do, super simple, is say, Jesus, I want to follow you. It's it's, it's that simple. For, For the rest of us, I want to lead us through a prayer right now. Because I know there are so many of us who are struggling with anxiety, we're struggling with fear, we're struggling with doubt, we're struggling with worry. I want us to pray something together so we can pray it and proclaim it out loud. And so at home, I need you to follow after me. If you're at home, say, Dear Jesus. Say it. Say, Dear Jesus, I need you. I need you now more than ever. God, right now, I pray in your name that you give me peace. God, I pray right now for victory over anxiety. God, today, I'll make a difference for you. Hey, I'm gonna pray one more time as we close this thing off. God, thank you so much for Church Online today. Thank you for everyone that tuned in. Thank you so much just for this opportunity to preach your word, God. And I just pray for any of us that need to lean into you, Lord that you fill us with your love, you fill us with your joy, and you fill us with your peace. God, we love you. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you want more information, if you'd like to visit us in person, head over to our website, kingdomchurch.ca, and plan your visit today. We can't wait to meet you. Until next time, take care.